This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers. If you are trying to impact your culture, the key to impacting your culture, get ready for this, is not to work on your culture at all. Wait, what? And what do we work on? You actually work on systems that drive culture. See, culture is a series of habits that you have. And if you want to change the habits, you have to get into new habits. And the secret to getting into new habits is to have systems in place. So what we at People Centric have done is we have looked at a lot of the different systems that drive and really impact how people work and make sure that they work better. And one of the top systems, the top system, the system that is the most powerful in terms of predicting whether people are engaged or disengaged, the one that drives your culture the most, the one that makes you the healthiest is one that might surprise you. And it's the idea of good role design. Now, when I say that, and we present that in presentations and we talk to managers and employees, we'll say that, and they're expecting this great punchline of like, is it our mission statement? Is it going to be our values? Is it going to be the why of what we do? And then when we say role design, people always are like, wait, what does that really mean? What is role design? Well, it turns out that if people know what they do and they know why they do it, they do it better. And role design is key to that. Have you ever had that job where you do all of the different things and other duties as assigned and your job description is 20 pages long, if you've ever seen it, and you just kind of help out here and there. That's great. But if you have that and that's your normal job and it's just, I help out wherever it is, that can also be very exhausting. That can be demotivational. And that doesn't really help help you to understand how you fit in with the rest of your team and what your own what you bring to the table in terms of your own strengths and talents. So today we're going to talk about the power of role design. We're going to talk about it beyond job descriptions. We're going to talk about what it means if you're an employer, and we're also going to talk about if you're the employee who is stuck in one of those jobs where you're doing 27 things that nobody else knows that you do, and you want to start getting credit for that. We're going to talk about what can you do next. So we are here today joined by our people-centric expert team. We've got Matt Griswold, Diana Royalty, and Bethany Taff. And hosting us as always and facilitating our conversation is the Mr. Matt Griswold. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Welcome back, everybody. I was going to start with a couple of different questions because maybe during the introduction and we talk about role design, it might not be as, uh, you know, as exciting as some of our other topics that, you know, from the outside looking in. And you might even be thinking job descriptions. Yeah, everybody's got job descriptions, or at least they know what they should be doing, right? So, I thought, man, we, we cover this a lot with organizations across the country on a regular basis. It does not take us very long to start working with a new company and we get to this topic or this idea of job descriptions and role clarity. So I thought maybe it would be fun to start with, how was that brought up? Like, what are some of the pain points that, that potentially, you know, other organizations might bring up that lead us to say, we need to check out those job descriptions. We need to maybe have, you know, establish a little bit more clarity within the role. Like what goes sideways that causes the pain point if those things aren't in place? What have we observed? Who'd like to start? I'll start. One, this is something, and that kind of like this comes up more in just sort of those one-on-one interactions versus like when we're looking at an entire team, I guess it can come up that way too, because it might be somebody that we're working with and they're like, 
kind of stepping out of bounds in their position. So maybe they're saying like, this is my job, but I also like to do all of these things and I'm really interested in this. And so I'm doing all of this stuff. And then you might be hearing from the rest of the team that it's really annoying when this person is doing this stuff or they're not getting their other job done because they're because <laughs> they're all focused on all of these other things. And so it's always like, let's go back and figure out like what your actual job is. And so it gives us an opportunity to look at that and maybe, maybe uh, it's not there and we have to have those conversations of like, hey, look, this is not actually your job. Or maybe there's an opportunity to say, okay, maybe it has morphed into this position a little bit. Let's figure out if we need to rewrite that or we just need to get some clear boundaries on that. So that's one area that, that I have seen it in. Yeah, I love it. And Bethany, you know, one of the things that you kind of reminded me of, and I'm going to throw it to Diana after this, but one of the one of those things too is, is, you know, people get frustrated at that person because they feel like they're stepping out of bounds of where they should be. Meanwhile, we've seen this a lot too. The person that is perceivedly stepping out of bounds, quote unquote, is oblivious to the fact that they feel like right. they're stepping out of bounds. They don't know. Yeah. They're doing the things, maybe how they were trained to do it, or they're doing the things that I saw somebody else do this. We have the same job. I don't know. You know, and maybe no one's ever had the conversation, but it doesn't stop people, you know, getting increasingly more frustrated at that person from quote unquote, stepping out of bounds too. I just wanted to point point yeah. that out or highlight that. But. Yeah. And like, sometimes it's just, they, somebody sees a need and so they go after it and they just take care of it. And that's great. And so they think what's wrong with that? Nobody else is doing it, but it sometimes can cause confusion. So yeah, I love it. Diana. Yeah, I was going to piggyback on that. There was one time we were at a client and the manager kept saying things like, I just don't know what this person is doing and I don't understand where they're spending all their time and why they can't just do this thing. And I've told them many times that I need this done. And Matt did this wonderful exercise where he brought each person in and was like, hey, uh, write down what your key duties are and what you do. And then he brought the manager back in and was like, look, these are what your people are doing. And the manager was like, oh my God. I had no idea. I don't want them doing that. I don't want them doing that. I don't want them doing that. They're supposed to do these things. And it was so eye-opening because those two people just were misaligned based on the simple things that they were supposed to or not supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's so it's so funny. You know, you might be sitting there listening wherever you are in the country or the world listening to this podcast going, that's ridiculous. I know I don't have that problem. Uh, more often than not, there is a, there is an a disconnect between management and that employee of what the expectations of that job are supposed to be. And so it's fun. I, I like to refer to that as a reveal party. Like they write down the different uh, bullet points of the job and then we get together and have a reveal party. And it's shocking. It's shocking that the misalignment there that can occur too. Don, what were you going to add? Yeah, I just wanted to add too, when you think about individual roles, that's one thing, but we also think about the organizational design in terms of the role design. And the organizational design is when you look at the org chart. What does the org chart look like? Is it clear who is judging my performance? I think back to the movie Office Space, which I know a lot of you have seen. You know, it's the guy that talks about how awful his job is and everything. And one of the things in that movie, he's got like seven different supervisors and none of them are really his boss, but they're all kind of his boss. And they all, he makes a mistake with his TPS report and all of them stop by his dad and they keep reminding him, do you remind, remember to put a cover sheet on your TPS report right. and you just all keep beating him up over it? That that's real. That's real. Not the TPS report part, but the rest of that is real. You can show us an org chart as a consultant and, or not show us an org chart, by the way, is also informative to us. And you can predict without knowing the players involved, a lot of the problems that you're going to have within that org chart. So like, for example, we might see one org chart where there was an organization that we look at that they had a supervisor who had 65 direct reports, like 65 people underneath them. 
then what we also heard within that within that area specifically in that company was boy it's a great place to go hide there's no accountability like there's nobody's held accountable around here well of course they're not because nobody can can supervise directly 65 individual people also flip that around think about what it would be like to be one of those 65 people how much attention do you have from your boss what's your chances of getting promoted or discovered inside of that team uh, how can you, your boss possibly be able to utilize all of the different strengths and talents on the team when they have 65 different people? Another example that we see might see in org charts is uh, called the tall and skinny org chart, where you have a person that reports to a person that, that goes to like a team. Whenever you have two people that are vertical up on a chart like that, it's like, what are their individual roles? I have my boss and I have my boss's boss. How do I split that up? That's going to naturally create a tension between the boss, the primary boss and the secondary boss when they both have teams underneath them. So you just have to think about the design also of the organization and what kind of an impact it's, it's going to have. And as a recovering engineer, I also like to say, you know, every choice that you make in a design has an impact. And so there's, there's problems with any design that you choose in an organization, but you have to figure out how do you overcome it. So, so that's a challenge as well. Yeah. And, and just kind of further in that thought there too, like, the, you know, think of your organization as a machine. Don likes to bring this up. And I think it's a great illustration. You think of that, it, you know, and, and your, your organization is perfectly designed to get the output that it's currently getting, to get in the results that it's currently getting. If we're thinking of the organization as a machine, the people are a part of that mas machine and those job descriptions that we give them with those things that we need them to do, they are doing things that are causing this output that your machine is producing. So if we want to, if we are not satisfied with the output, but man, how do we change the, you know, provide more role clarity or the descriptions of the things that we're asking the people within the machine to do? And I think that yeah. kind of brings it full circle, right, Don? And Matt, I would add, you know, and your machine is perfectly designed to get the results you're currently getting. I'm going to say that again. Your machine is perfectly designed to get the results yeah. you're currently getting. So if you want your machine to work differently, you can keep beating up the machine, but it's just not going to work, right? It's just that you can't just keep beating it up or yelling at the machine. You have to redesign the machine to work differently. And org design is a key way to be able to redesign the machine. You can think about not putting, you know, we, we, we were doing management training last week. We talked a story, a true story about a bank who had a teller who could not count money, but was great at the customer service side. Ultimately, that person's going to fail because they can't count money. All right, they're going to be off on their drawer over and over and over again. They're going to fail. It's designed to fail with that piece. That wrong, that piece was not designed to fit into the way the org, the description was. Now, if they could have redesigned the machine and created just a customer service position that didn't have to rely on counting money, maybe then they have all the skill sets that they need for all of the jobs that they have, but they might design their organization a different way to make it work. That's what we talk about mean when we talk about org design. And I think, I think, you know, again, just to bring everybody up to speed, going. You know, you might be listening there going, wait a second, I thought we were talking about job descriptions and that, you know, the duties that we need people to do. Don's taking it way back, which is where we typically start with org design, thinking about what are the things that we need people to accomplish? What are the things that, I guess, not even people, what are the things that we need to accomplish within this department or within this team? And then we kind of work backwards, you know, forward from there after we go all the way back to the to the org design piece. And so I, I in order to be able to create that job description or the role clarity, I have to first understand what it is that I need from that role and then it helps us feed the job description, uh, job description piece too. Something else that I would add to this uh, too, where I've kind of seen it go sideways or one of the hiccups. Let's say for instance, you've gotten through the role design. Okay, I think I understand what I need that role to do. Let's create a job description, okay? So you might have these in, in file folders. You might be an employee of a company going, yeah, I have a job description. It's in somebody's 
folder somewhere buried in a file cabinet. I think I saw it the day I started. Uh, that's how most people view these, you know, quote unquote job descriptions there too. But some of the things where I've seen it go sideways is inaccurate expectations from managers creating job descriptions without a, with a, I guess, without a realistic idea of how long it takes people to do stuff that you're asking them to do. How many times have we seen that? Like they're going, yes, I need this person to do this and this and this and this, but they've never done it themselves. They just think it, it sounds great on paper, but then you hire the person and the person's going, this takes a long time for me to actually accomplish even the first two things that you're asking me to do here. And then the manager's sitting there going, how come this isn't getting done? Like they have a job description. I don't understand why they're not, they're clearly not doing the things that I need them to do. And so I don't know if you've experienced that. I'm sure you all have, but inaccurate expectations expectations of the job that you are that you are creating uh, which is another reason why when we're doing this we like to involve maybe some of the people that are currently doing it to find out what it is you do on a day-to-day -day basis give me an example of time frame how long it takes somebody to accomplish this for an organization that's great information to know because it know now I know maybe how many of those people I need to hire uh, to be able to accomplish those tasks that I'm that I'm asking them to do Don what yeah. were you going to add yeah and also who's judging your performance at the end of the day we work with a lot of companies where we'll go to people, especially frontline employees. And I'm sure a lot of you who are listening can relate to this and we'll say, who's your boss? And they'll say, well, kind of this person and also kind of this person and also kind of this person. I get that you all have multiple people maybe above you that could come and tell you, technically tell you what to do, but who is it that's actually judging your performance, right? Who do you ultimately have to make happy at the end of the day? Who, who, who's going to be, who is responsible for coaching and developing you as a person? If you own a company or are a manager within a company, that should be really, really clear. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of organizations, it's not. And that creates a major problem of accountability inside of the organization and then a lack of clarity of roles. Because if I don't know who's judging what I'm doing, I can't see, I don't know what the bar is, where the bar is set for my success. I'm even going to take it a step further than that. Again, we're, Don's kind of going back to the org design, like who is who are they ultimately accountable to? Uh, but I'll even add one of those uh, to it. Not only who's judging my performance, but how are they judging my performance? Like what are the standards? What are the KPIs that I'm going to be graded on? How will I know this job description that you have given me? How will I know I'm succeeding? How will I know what you are looking at to know if I succeed? You know, those, those types of things too. Like I want to give them the rules of the game ahead of time so they can anticipate maybe um, how we're going to judge the performance. And I, you know, I, I think Bethany, Diana, you guys deal with these job descriptions quite a bit. I think for a lot of the ones that we see, those KPIs or, or how we're basing your performance, how often we're going to talk about performance, you know, here's the descriptions, but this is what I'm looking for. This is how you'll know you're winning. I, I don't see those on a lot of them. And maybe I'm mis, misspoken, but what's your experience with, I guess the lack of the KPIs or how to, you know, how to maybe have that talk with, with somebody to, to potentially add those. What are the selling points on that? Well, I was going to say, if you've seen the ones that we've done, they do have KPIs on them. <laughs> so, right, right. But yes, if they don't have KPIs on it, that's really important. And I think that's where the selling point is really the employee, because honestly, most of the time, the, if you talk to the employee that doesn't have any KPIs, they really, really want some. And so helping, I think a lot of managers probably think like that employees don't care about that or they don't want that. Why would they want, you know, something, something measuring their performance? Cause that feels maybe intimidating or whatever. 
but oh i'm sorry we should say what kpis are that stands for key performance indicators so or just goals that you're setting for yeah. for your employees to help measure their um their performance so Anyway, I, I think to your point, though, too, you know, with those KPIs, I think, you know, sometimes we'll talk to managers and maybe this is maybe an old school mentality, but that manager yeah. is going, oh, they'll know when they're not succeeding. Right. right. Oh, they'll know. I'll know when they're failing. They'll know when they're failing like that. I yeah. think we're missing the point with why we're adding these KPIs or those key performance indicators to yeah. the job description up front. Right, exactly. And I think that's the thing is when you when we identify opportunities for role clarity within organizations with specific employees, usually a part of that is people saying, I don't know what is expected of me. You know, I feel like I'm working really hard. I don't know if I'm in the right lane or not. And I don't know what they're judging me on. So I don't know if I'm doing it well or meeting the criteria that they have for me. So... Yeah, if part of, if part of leading a uh, you know an employee is is uh, you know for a successful team is helping them pass or fail quickly, mm-hmm. let's let them know the rules of the game. Here's the rules of the game and how you'll know you're winning. Diana, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I was gonna add like I think it's really important that those goals or KPIs be very job specific and relevant to the job. Um, I've seen where companies have KPIs and they're like, well, everyone contributes to these company KPIs or this company standard. And the admin is looking at these company KPIs and is like, I really want to help, but I have nothing to do with marketing. Like, I don't know how to do that. And and I just think it's funny that some executives forget that not everyone touches everything and not everything is specific to everyone. And so if you really do want your admin to touch marketing, then you probably need to tell them that and figure out a way they can do that and some way they, they can be measured through that. So I think it's important that have, those big goals also trickle all the way down and figure out a way to feed them back up through the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or they set the goals of KPIs, like must be proficient in word. Like that's a KPI. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like what? that doesn't really like every day you don't wake up and say, I'm going to try to be more proficient in word today. You know, that, that's, that's more of like a requirement for the job or even a preference that might go into a job description, but it's not really that helpful. You know, when we're talking about somebody's job and their role, you really want to, you're, you're striving for clarity. And some yeah. of these four or five page job descriptions that I've seen that end with and other duties as assigned that, that talks about anything possible that person could do, that doesn't help with that clarity. We were working with a team the other day and it was a sales manager. And the sales manager was complaining that one of their salespeople, they said that salesperson only makes like 15 calls a day. And I said, so how many calls a day would you expect them to be able to make? And, he's th- and he said, probably more like 30 or 40 calls per day. And I said, have you ever told your salespeople that you would expect them to make 30 or 40 calls per day. And I mean, it's a, it's a moment of like, aha, when the supervisor is like, no, should I tell them? So you're, we're watching them and saying like, I'm unhappy that you're making 15. That person, that employee might be going home at the end of the day and goes home to their family and says, how was your day? I kicked butt today. I made 15 different calls today. I made 15 phone calls. I am kicking butt. I am going after it. And meanwhile, your boss is sitting back there going, only 15. You could do twice as many of that. And neither one of them are talking about it. Mm. One's getting frustrated with the other. And then the employee is starting to feel it. And the employer is feeling it. But neither one of them are saying it. And so neither one of them can fix it. And that's how things start to, that's how toxicity starts to build. And how do you, you know, I was thinking the question as Diana was talking and even just what you said there, how do you make sure that you're setting those KPIs in a way that it's not too metricy to where it like, where it's just like, 
kind of pigeonholing people. So it's like, okay, we're creating this metric. So it's, is that really the metric? Is that really like the hard and fast rule? And if you don't, if you're one under that, or if you don't meet that exact number, then you're out of here, you know, like, how do you, how do you create that balance? And I feel like you're good at that, but whoever. Now I feel like I can't, no, I feel Matt, like you can give an answer. No. I just have to <laughs> no. about the slide. No, no, no. I, you know, the thing that I was going to, and, and maybe this is a good way to transition and then I'll loop Diana into it too, but the, maybe this is a good way to transition. And I love this whole idea about job descriptions and role clarity. And then we started talking about, you know, Don's talking about when you first start your business and organizational design and think about the roles. And then we get to this idea of job description, but then how do I make this a living document right how do i how do i make a job description not something i just stuff in a in a file folder but it becomes a living document you know sometimes people think i'm going to avoid all confusion i'm going to give them a job description so it's super clear right off the bat and then they'll know what to do from there but that's not that's not always the case right there's there's another step to how do we apply this and and it might go with that okay so what if they're one point off on the metric on the kpi because it's not just handing them the job description. There's another piece to the puzzle that, that takes place after that too. And Diana, I don't know if you want to take it from there. Yeah, I, I love what you guys are getting at. And I think, I think that it takes a lot of intentional communication often, right? So it's not just giving this person a KPI and being like, great, good, now go run with it. I think you have to check in with them and you have to say like, where are you at? And where are you getting stuck? And what's working and what's not working? In business, things change, right? So there could be a pandemic that hits that changes their goal. And so I feel like we have to be cognizant that sometimes it's a moving target. And so we have to check in often. And if you, as the employee, feel like you're not getting that communication or that feedback or you're not hitting the mark, I'd go to your manager sooner rather than later. Like, don't let it slide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to take it. Uh, you know, I love I love where where you're going. Like that ongoing communication. Like part of part of being a manager is I'm an ongoing advocate for this person. I'm an ongoing person that's trying to remove obstacles and helping my team to succeed and be as efficient as possible. But it starts so I get to hand them the job description, and then they go through this whole idea, and, it, and it's not titled like this. But it goes to this whole idea of onboarding and training. And now I have to train them up. And some of these different roles, you know, we work in the publishing space quite a bit. And if I'm hired as a salesperson, I'm not expected to hit that top goal that first month, right? There's a sliding scale to what this looks like. So I might be able to deliver the KPI and it might be sequenced a little bit. So it's in it's in segments. And after 30 days, this is where we'll be. After 60 days, this is where we'll be. Or it might say, you know what? This is ultimately where we're going to be. But we have this great onboarding process to help train these things so we can do pulse checks along the way to make sure that we ramp you up to that speed. And that's that's where you know, I love the whole conversation because we're talking about quote unquote job descriptions and role clarity, but we started with organizational design and now we're talking about onboarding and orientation and training. It's it's, it's all kind of woven together there, you know, woven together there. Yeah, and I'm going to add to that a little bit and say something that's probably not popular, but I think is very true. Some people with the same title may not have the same KPIs. Uh, <laughs> say it again. <laughs> Some people with the same title may not have the same KPIs. Mm. I think you really have to, as a good manager, you need to look at your people and know what they're capable of and know where they want to go and develop them to that. And I think having different KPIs for different people within the organization is key to getting the most out of everybody. 
I love what you said there, Diana, because, and it goes back to what Bethany said, is not to become overly metricy in the job, which is also the best use of the word metricy in a podcast, because I don't think I've heard that word very, very often <laughs> used, but I love it. I think the, if, if within any given jobs, like I think Diana, you're saying like they may even have different key performance indicators, not just the different numbers, but different categories. Totally. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. yeah. So it goes back to that idea that great managers play chess and not checkers because the chess pieces all do something different. You may work out as a manager and look at the person and say, I've got a standard job description, but then I'm going to customize it based on what that person can do and based on their own strengths. And then how do you set the number? I think one of the one really good pro tip that we could offer there is this idea that people own what they help to create. So if people own what they help to create, if I'm like, a, let's go back to our sale, our friend who's doing the sales calls, they know what kind of sales goals they want to be able to hit, but if they could back away from that to, to create a key performance indicator. So how many calls do you, how many, how much contracts do you want to be able to sell? What's your closing rate been? How many calls will you have to make to hit that? And they can kind of back out and create that together. Like the manager can yeah. facilitate that process Good. and land on how many calls they're going to be able to make. And then that person, it's the goal that they set. And it's more likely that they're going to try to go hit that. A person that shows up from day one and that goal's always been in front of them and they never talk about it, but it's always on their description is not going to mean anything to somebody. Mm -hmm. If you help to create it together and you're tracking it together, then it's going to become real. All right, so let's do this as we as we kind of move towards the end. I think the conversation's been great, but let's do this. Let's let's segment the conversation just a little bit. Let's give some tips. If I'm the manager, if I'm that manager, department head, director, whatever the, the title is, if I'm the manager of the people, what are some quick things that I could potentially do based on this conversation that helps me succeed in this area of role clarity and job descriptions? I, here's an exercise that I love doing, and it's a really challenging exercise to do is if you are the manager, if you oversee or an owner or whatever, and you oversee a team enough, I would make sure I would lay out the organizational chart. And then what I would do is for each job description, I would challenge you to create what I'm going to call a job mission statement for every single person in that, in your org chart. And a job mission is a one sentence, one sentence statement of what that person does, what kind of impact they make in the company. You have to just distill it down to one sentence. That is really challenging. And some people say that's going to be a really big run on sentence. That person, I just, I greet people. I say hi to people. I do da, da, da. But it should come down to one sentence. It's like, my role is to make sure that everyone has the best customer experience possible when they come in. My role is to make sure that we have the resources we need to be able to run the company. My role is that I make sure that I lead my team successfully and make sure I keep have the they have the resources they need. It's those kinds of broad mission statements. That exercise of creating a mission is really, really valuable. And again, just like the key performance indicators, I would encourage you to involve your team in that creation of those statements. If people can understand it to that level of clarity, the big long lists of things that people do just aren't very helpful. They're, I know people create them all the time and you keep them in a filing cabinet. It's just not that helpful. What's the most helpful is just fundamentally, what do I do? And distilling it down to one mission statement, I think is a good exercise. Awesome. Thanks, Don. Another tip for the managers or the department heads, managers of teams there. I'm going to go back to sort of what I was saying before and just say, know your team and ask them where they want to go. I think a lot of times just working on development with your team will get your team way more engaged and active and talking better because they all kind of know where they're going and where they're headed. Great. Thanks, Bethany. Don sort of reminded me of this when he was talking, but I was thinking about 
just identifying the difference, be able to know the difference between when you need a new job description and role clarity or when you need a better process for something, because I think sometimes those can get muddied. And so you might like to what Donna's saying, like you might create a job description and it's our tendency to list out all of the different tasks that person does. But maybe the actual reason that you're doing that is because it's really not clear what the process is and who's responsible for what piece of that process, if that makes sense. And so maybe if that's really what the issue is, maybe look at the job description, create some real clarity there, but then maybe it's just that you need to actually look at your processes, which is a different podcast topic. But I think that there's a difference there. So, So really identify like what's the actual issue here? Thank you. I think, I think Don, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I really like that a lot. And I was going to, can I add one more to that? Sure. Matt, is that allowed? Am I right? You're the owner, Don. You can do whatever you want. Just <laughs> here for the ride. Excellent. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. One of Matt's KPIs is he's got to throw in one item of praise out to me <laughs> once, once a day. No, no, uh, no. Oh, that's not on there. Diana Thank you, sir. May I have another? Diana wouldn't let me build that in but I I think another tip is there's a lot of there's been a lot of studies on org design about different types of structures and there's like studies if you really like read up on this there's like matrix structures of like well you report to this person there's the dotted line thing of I have a dotted line of this person but then I have this is my supervisor but I have a dotted line this person and this person all that kind of stuff here's my tip don't do that just don't do that just get rid of it the dotted line thing is just adds confusion. You may, as Bethany's talked about, there's processes, right? People will own a process. So like when I work for 3M, I would manage a project. I might have people that worked underneath me in that project, but they don't work for me. So you don't have to reflect that on an organizational chart because I'm not judging everybody's performance in terms of that project. All I can do is work, but I am running that project. I'm, I had some level of autonomy over the projects that I managed. You don't have to reflect those kinds of things on the org chart. The org chart should show who is judging my success, who's ultimately the one who's responsible for me. And that should be a person. You know, a good org chart should look like a tree. It doesn't look like a matrix. It doesn't look like a box. All of those forms of organizational designs just create a lot of confusion and lack of making Diana so happy right now. So, so happy. I just (laughs) want to look at people and tell them to like, Stop it. Like quit trying to make this crazy matrix thing work. Or I've seen Venn diagram ones, like just stop, just stop it. We've all lost our minds. Hierarchical works. Just leave it alone. Don't you think though, that they're coming from a place of like, you have to think they're coming from a place of support. Like this person, total support, you know, they're going to have, they have, they're so good. They are so supportive. They have three people that are quote unquote supporting them. Uh, but what you're doing is just creating this layer of confusion for the employee, like take that a step lower. And the conversations that we get to have with your employees in those situations, it's like, who's your boss? And the answers we get are like, I'm not hundred percent sure, or it depends on what I'm doing. Depends on the day. You know, those types of things are the responses that we get, which I know is not, I'm just going to give you grace right now. The people that develop that, I'm just going to give you grace to say, I know that you were coming from a, from a good place when you tried to do that, but you are adding a layer of confusion for the employees that you should just knock it off. You're coming from a dumb place is where you're coming from. No, (laughs) you're right. You're right, Matt. No, it's good. That's probably better. But uh, there's a, it reminds me, there's a, there's a famous story about a publisher who was, uh, who, who was a book publisher and they would put out these large books and they had eight different editors that would go through and edit every book before it went out. 
and they were still having all these mistakes that would go out. And so then they made it, they made it 10 different editors and they would still have all these mistakes and they made it 12 different editors and they would still have all these mistakes as the book would go out. So then they hired an outside consultant and the consultant came in and made did their study and made some tips and they cut it down to one editor and they had one editor do it and it greatly reduced the number of mistakes that got through things. Uh, it's that old adage, like if somebody's doing it, then nobody's doing it. You know, somebody will tell that employee when they need to right. do better. If I've got three bosses, all the bosses are looking at the other bosses saying, why don't you have the conversation? Why don't you have the conversation? I'm sure you're talked about this. Everybody assumes somebody else is doing something. Whenever we have a clear line, a hierarchical line with clear job descriptions, it's very clear about who's responsible yeah. for what. And the employees, by the way, they do want feedback and they, they, they don't even necessarily mind performance reviews done well, but they don't want to hear from the dotted line. They don't want to hear from your dotted line. Uh, they want to hear from the person that that's actually responsible for their performance, the, the person that they actually report to. Diana. I think a lot of people, when, when you hear hierarchical, you think top down and like dictatorship. And I'm saying that never has to happen, but a hierarchical org chart helps with the clarity and then yeah. work on your communication so that it's not dictatorial and it's not, you know, top down management style. That's actually going to be, I'm going to piggyback off of Diana here because the, you know, for my tip, if I'm a manager of a team of people that, you know, Diana talked about the ongoing communication, like, you know, I said, how do I keep this job description as kind of a living document continuing, not just to rest into, into a folder, but how do I continue to keep that in front of people? And maybe you're that manager that's been sitting there going, I have not done a good job of that. Like, well, I don't even know if I can find them. I have to research them. We did them 10 years ago. I'm not sure. I'm going to encourage you with this, like set up a meeting with your employees. If you can do this on your team there as a one-on-one -on -one, and you might just slide it across the table and say, no judgment here, but does this still make sense for what you do? Or are we completely out of whack? Like maybe that's a good starting point. Does this job description still make sense? No offense. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here. That and that circles, might be a good place to start. Circle the stuff that, just, that you're like, well, that kind of is like the way it is, or even the stuff that's a little bit off. I've seen, I've seen teams do exercises like that where they recognize, well, actually that person does it, or it would make sense if they did it. And then you get into almost like process improvement, like Bethany was talking about mm -hmm. of saying, yeah, it doesn't make sense for me to do part of it, you to do the other part, then me to do part of it, then you to do part of it, then me to do part of it. It's clear, that's clear role descriptions, bad process of going back and forth and back and, and forth. Not and it's not even, it's not even that we've done a poor job. It's just that either maybe the company has grown to a scale to where you just have different processes now for those things. Maybe that's all automated now, or it's digital. We don't print that anymore or you know those those types of things but we don't stop and have the conversation because we feel like they were all here as a part of it like we all grew together but that's uh, you know th now now we're not taking responsibility i guess for that original uh, that original job description we just want all we're saying is man it helps add this layer of clarity for the employees and if i know what i'm doing i know what's expected i know how you're judging me man, i'm probably going to be more efficient and more productive in this role Let's wrap up the conversation by going, okay, from the employee level, let's, let's say, for instance, the employee is listening to this and they're going, man, I wish my boss would do all of these things. Like, yeah, I wish they would have that conversation. What are some tangible takeaways maybe that the employee can have as a result of this conversation? You know, this podcast, what, what am I doing tomorrow if I'm that employee? I think that first of all, what you let me tell you what you don't want to do. What you do not want to do is you don't want to go to your boss and say, I was listening to a podcast and it turns out you're doing it all wrong. Like, don't oh. do that. Don't do that. That doesn't come across very well. Like uh, you're kind of judging somebody else on their job. So, so don't do that. But what you can do is you can certainly open up communication with your supervisor. So if there's something that's unclear in terms of whether you're doing something, you can communicate a lot with your supervisor and say, hey, 
a point of a point of clarity for this. I'm, I'm doing this, but I'm also doing this. I'm not sure whose job this is. Would it be beneficial for us to get together and try to figure that out? I've got some thoughts on it, you know, and, and kind of gauge gauge that with with your your boss. A lot of times, employees have those concerns and they never bring them to their boss, yeah. and their boss never hears about them, and therefore they don't ever have a chance to be able to fix them. I like it, Diana. What were we gonna add? Well, I mean, mine's really similar to Don. Like, go find the clarity. And whether that means you start by talking to some other people in your department and say like, Hey, I'm doing this. Are you doing that? Or is this how you do this or whatever you need, whatever information you need to feel better about starting a conversation, get that and then start the conversation. I don't think any of this is fixed without some, some communication. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Bethany. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. The answer seems really clear, but it's just ask more questions or maybe even dig up that job description from when you first got hired, find that email, whatever, read through it and see if you have any questions and just ask them. Yeah, yeah I, I think that the employee has an accountability to be able to ask the question. Like we were literally in a, in a conversation the other day and we asked a very specific question. Are you allowed to do X, Y, or Z? And the response from the employee said, I don't know. Now they have a job description. They have a very recent actually job description that was given to them that the employee does have the, you know, an accountability to ask the question. I would also say this though, add to that. And I know we already talked about manager, but it kind of goes hand in hand. If you're the, if you are the manager of that employee, I think it's your responsibility to also create the space for them to feel comfortable to ask those questions in the first place. You need to be taking the accountability and proactiveness to be able to create the space to have them be able to bring up those types of things and watch your reaction to that. You know, if they're going, you know, your first reaction might be, I can't believe we're having this conversation. I clearly gave you a job description. I clearly trained you on all those things. But man, isn't that what we want? Like as a manager of people, I want my employees to feel comfortable to bring me those, those types of questions and concerns. So yes, they have an accountability to ask the question. Manager, create the space for them to be able to ask the question. Don, were you going to send us off with something? Yeah, and I was just going to say too, as the employee, I said, you know, don't bring it up of saying, hey, you're wrong. The other thing is don't bring it up in context for your job alone. So in other words, don't, don't go to your employer and say, I don't think it's fair that I have to do this, 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 and this. Don't make it all about you. It's not all about you. It really is about the team. Put it in the context of the company. Like put it in the context of the team. Hey, our team could work more efficiently if we were clearer about who does this, this, and this. Hey, I could really help you out. Like sometimes we see people who have unofficial supervisor roles. That happens quite a bit, and especially as the team gets larger and larger. Like effectively people are coming to me with issues. This happened um, to me at one point in my career is as our team grew larger, I was taking on more responsibilities. And finally I went and I said, you know, if you could give me this title and call out that I'm doing these things, I could actually represent this whole team and I could really help pull this together and be, get, make more progress with it. And my boss took that to my boss, to his boss, and they came to a conclusion and said, you know what, he's right, he's got a good point. Or if I had come and pitched it and said, I want this title because I'm already doing the work and just give me the title for it, I don't think they would have given that to me. So don't put it in a context for yourself put it in the context of the team and the company that you work for. Awesome. I love it, man. We covered a lot of ground in this podcast, organizational design, starting there all the way through training and onboarding, uh, check-ins with employees, communication. 
job descriptions, role clarity. There's a lot there. If you have other questions that you'd like to ask us or maybe clarifying questions on, on some of these things, feel free to interact with us on social media um, as well. We love the interaction. We love the questions. If there's other topics around this or just in general that you'd like to see us uh, or I guess hear us talk about, then we're, we're more than happy to be able to accommodate those requests too. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of More Than Work by People Centric, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.